The Chabad Pulse podcast discusses serious issues and interviews guests in a free-form, open manner, occasionally touching on adult topics that may be unsuitable for children's ears. What does the word compatibility mean in our shadow system? How do we approach this dating process with the right frame of mind? We're talking love and marriage on Chabad Pulse, and on this episode, we're talking about it with the world-famous expert, Rabbi Manus Friedman. Hi there. This is episode four of the Chabad Pulse podcast, and I guess you could call it the start of season two. We're back from our hiatus stronger than ever, and we're so glad you decided to join us once again. This week we have a fascinating conversation on deck with our Manus Friedman. We've got a whole roster of great future guests ready to go. So stay tuned to after the interview to hear more about that. This episode of Chabad Pulse is brought to you by JMenu, the best way to order kosher takeout and delivery online. JMenu is your one-stop shop for ordering delivery from restaurants, cafes, sushi bars, all done through their simple, easy-to-use website or mobile app. Whether you're uptown, in midtown, in Queens, Williamsburg, good old, or good old Crown Heights, you'll have tons of great restaurants right at your fingertips, delivered right to your door, no phone call required, no chance of getting put on hold, and all at the same price as at the restaurant itself. Your address, phone number, and payment info are all saved, so you don't have to go hunting for your wallet while trying to figure out what you want to order. And the menus are intuitive, with all the customization options you could ask for. No need to dig through those other delivery apps looking for a kosher option, and no need to start Googling for that restaurant's phone number. Just download the JMenu app, or use the website at jmenu.com, and use the code Pulse for the next time you order for $5 off, and bring that kosher goodness home. Let's not have you waiting any longer. Without further ado, Rabbi Manus Friedman. Today at the Chabad Pulse Studios, we are honored to welcome Rabbi Manus Friedman, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you, Rabbi. Thank you for coming by. Thank you very much. So obviously, you're renowned, you're renowned for speaking on a wide variety of topics, um, but I think the thing you're most famous for is probably um, marriage intimacy. Um, and, I, and I, as I understand that you do a lot of, uh, you talk a lot to to young men, to Bahram, um, to some young married men about um, the issues that they're facing, the worries they have, the fears they have, the anxieties, and help them work through it. So on a more general sense, what are some of the bigger issues that, you've, uh, that you're seeing today, that young men that you're talking to are dealing with today? There are any number of uh, issues that, that uh, need to be discussed. But let's start with loneliness. There's a crisis of loneliness. In England, they started a new department in the Ministry of Health. It's called the Minister of Loneliness. (laughs) (laughs) It's his job to fix the loneliness in people because when people are lonely, they tend to become ill. Their, Their immune system isn't working at maximum capacity and they become vulnerable. So the Department of Health, the Ministry of Health, is worried about loneliness. But there's a bigger issue, which I think is the real issue, not loneliness, but aloneness. Because loneliness you can fix by having a party. Right. Get a few friends. Just call. be around people for a while. Yeah. You're not lonely anymore. Go out for the, go out for the evening. You're, of course, you come home and you're lonely again. No. Worse, you come home and you're completely alone in the world. That's what kills your immune system. 
Because as the Torah says, it is not good to be alone. Right. Whether What's the difference between loneliness and aloneness? Oh, it's, it's... Like I said, loneliness can easily be fixed. Right. Be around people, get involved, do something, volunteer. But then you come home and you're still alone. So the only thing that cures aloneness is marriage. And that might be its primary purpose, to not be alone, because it's not good for man to be alone. Right. Isn't that what it says? That's right. what it says. Simple. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Here's the crisis. Married couples. Who are somehow ha- still alone. Happily married couples. They still feel alone. Now that's scary. Because if marriage isn't curing it, what will? What could? Yeah. The answer is intimacy. Marriages are lacking intimacy. Because in the secular world, all the advice you get about marriage is technical. Communicate, get what you want, uh, express yourself. It, it's, all, it's all greedy it's all self-serving. It's all, it's all isolating. You get what you need from the marriage. You're still alone in the world. So if you get married to achieve something or to gain something or to make yourself better, stronger, happier, you're not connecting to your spouse. You're living your life. You're pursuing your needs it's keeping you separate. How do you get past that? So here's the point. Right from the beginning of the marriage, the attitude has to be, I'm not here to gain anything. I'm here to make your life easier. That's it. If that's not why you're getting married, then don't bother. Unfortunately, Americans... Worship love. People get married for love. They get divorced because they fell out of love. They kill for love. They die for love. They, <laughs> they pay for love. <laughs> right. Love is the getchke and the idol of America. And you find that this attitude has filtered into our community. Absolutely. Terrible. And it all comes from the attitude that God is love. See, it all starts from what you believe you got to trace it back to your religious convictions. God is love means love is God. Right. That's an idol. And like all idols, they always disappoint. They don't work. So here's here's the, uh, the key. If I say I want to marry, I want to marry you for your money, I'm being honest. I'm not ashamed. You have money. I want to marry you for your money. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, that nobody, you know, everybody would say, "Fe." <laughs> that's if you're really articulate. <laughs> uh, why is that so bad? Well, first of all, because it's not honest. Not I want to marry you for your money. I just want to marry the money. You're not part of this. You're the price. Yeah. But what's worse? By saying I want to marry you for your money, I'm actually saying if I could get the money, 
without you, that would be perfect. Since I can't have that, so fine, I'll marry you. But I'm saying it out loud. I'm saying I'm not marrying you. I'm marrying the money. And I'm only doing it because I have to. If I could get the money without you, would be even better. So that's really insulting. It's really not connecting. It's disconnecting. A person says, you know, I'm keeping all the mitzvahs. I'm being frum. I'm trying my best because I want to get to heaven. I want Gan Eden. He doesn't want the, the relationship with Hashem. He wants the reward that, that, you know, is promised because of that relationship. Right. And how ugly is that? Very. You're saying, if I could get to heaven without you, would be even better. Right, right. That's Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, in a, in a nutshell. That's, uh, yes, yes. So, we don't worship God for his love. We worship love. And we have to put up with God because he owns it. Right. <laughs> so, so, you find this attitude is the way people see marriage today. Yes. You get married for love, you get married for, for partnership, and that's another thing. And this is really crucial. And you're not, you're not going to hear it from any secular sources. The 50-50 deal. Marriage is a, is a partnership 50-50. That's not marriage. That's a roommate. You'll do the dishes on Monday, I'll do the dishes on Tuesday, you do the laundry, then I'll do the... That, that, that's not marriage. There's nothing magical about that. There's nothing holy about that. There's nothing even profound about it. It's just a good deal. I'll love you, you'll love me, I'll do for you, you'll do for me. If I do a little more for you than you do for me, I'll divorce you. And, 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 and Come on, that's terrible. It's not a partnership because the man, the husband, has to be 100% husband, not 50-50. And the woman has to be 100% wife, not 50% husband, 50% wife. And in this conception, the definition of husband is selflessness. The definition of wife is selflessness. Yes, but different kinds of selflessness. The man has to be the mashpia. He has to be the giver. And of course, he has to give selflessly, which means he gives himself completely. There's no part that he withholds of himself. The woman has to be the macabre. She has to be the receptive one. And she has to do that selflessly, which means she has to accept him completely into every part of her existence and not hold back anything. Because if you have too much being, you're going to have a war. If you have too macabre, nothing's going to happen. Like, you first. No, you first. No, you first. You first. <laughs> nothing's going to happen. You have to have, a, in order to become one, you have to have a giving and a receiving. And here's an, not a giving and a take. It's not give and take. That, that expression's got to go. Because if you take, you're abusive. You're using somebody, even if it's gentle and nice and kind and mutual. 
using a person is abusing a person. It doesn't have to get to violence right. before it becomes abusive. If you're marrying me to get something from me, you're abusing me. So, what does it mean to be a mashpia? What does it mean to be a makabal? If we don't know what that means, we don't know how to be married. There's or no, how to get married in the first yeah, place. Yeah, there's no point in even trying. Because you're going in the wrong direction, you're going to mess everything up. So the first thing is you got to, the man has to know how to be a mashpia and want it. Because that's the only real satisfaction that he's going to get in life is if he feels that he is successful as a mashpia. Because if a man is not a successful mashpia, he's not a man. And if a woman is not successful in being makabal, she doesn't feel like a woman. So a little, a little bit of a definition. What does it mean to be a mashpia? A man and a woman are sitting it's their first meeting and they're thinking of marriage and he feels this woman is really great she's so smart she's so special I would follow her anywhere so he wants to marry her not a good idea because she's looking for a husband not a wife <laughs> if he's sitting across from her and he feels I would love to take care of her for the rest of my life. That's a good chemistry. She's making him feel like a man. Not every woman does that for you. So a woman can be very attractive, impressive, but not for you because she doesn't bring out the man in you. A woman sitting with a guy and she's thinking, this guy is so sweet, he's such a nice... He's so adorable. I would love to take care of him for the rest of my life. Not good. She's becoming the husband. So the good chemistry has to be he feels like he can take care of her because that's his masculine instinct. And she feels she'll follow him anywhere. Whatever he wants to do, she'll be right there nurturing him, supporting him, backing him. Then you get married, and it's a real marriage. So you're saying that all this transcends personality types. There are women who have more assertive personality types. There are men who have more, uh, I guess, the opposite of assertive. Uh, the, the, the word escapes me right now. And, and you're saying that regardless of personality, the structure of the relationship has to be a certain way between men and women for it to work. Which means a man who's a little more f effeminate will find a woman who brings out the man in him. Not every woman, but somebody will. And a woman who's a little more aggressive, a little more testosterone, she'll find a guy who brings out the woman in her. Even though not every man can. But if you don't have that chemical reaction, that good chemistry, it's not, it's not advisable. So a guy calls me up and he says, I'm going out with this woman. She's great. She is so smart. She's so capable. She's so good. She knows everything. And she's good at everything. I don't know why I'm hesitating. I don't want to lose her, but I don't want to marry her. I said, I know why. She doesn't need you. She doesn't need you. 
On the other hand, the woman calls up and says, I'm going with this guy. He's such a sweetheart. He's so respectful and he's so gentle and he's so kind. <laughs> why, why am I hesitating to marry him? Because you really want to adopt him. You don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> You're mothering him. He's not bringing out the woman in you. So that has to be... And, and when you first say this to young men, even chassidosh bachrim, it's scary. What, I have to be the whole mashpia? I got to be responsible for everything? Why would I want that? <laughs> Why would you want that? Because you're a man. And unless you have that, you're not going to be happy. So yes, the man has to take full responsibility. There's no such thing as a, a man saying, I did my part, let her do her part. There's no such thing. You're the man. You're part of the whole part. If she can't be a makabel, it's your job to help her with that too. That's <laughs> what it says in the Mimer that we say before the chasana. The mashpia has to give the makabel koyach to be makabel. Now, so this conception of marriage is obviously, it's, a, it's an extremely, um, I'm not going to say radical because it's not radical, but it's an extremely terror-true um, assertion of, of, of this is the way things are. And regardless of what um, current standards are, current modes of thought are, this is the way it has to be. Now, this obviously clashes with a ton of, of what we absorb from the outside world. With everything, with everything, it's the the, the straight up the straight up you know statement that man has this is what a man is this is what a woman is this is the only way it could possibly be in a marriage that's that that's in and of itself makes people very it's going to make people very uncomfortable to hear that now people absorb that they absorb this the the counter programming the stuff that isn't this conception of marriage of love of romance and their entire life and then it comes to dating it comes to marriage and this is the way they have to approach it. There's obviously a problem here. There's obviously, how do we go about taking, how do we go about making sure that this narrative, this story gets to the young men and women first before the outside world gets there? That's a very good question. Uh, actually, it's a, not even a question, it's a need. Right. And I'm not sure how to go about it, the schools, the parents, and the family. and the, But I, I became aware of this about four years ago. Chassidish guy calls me up, young man, married three years, and he's very honest, and he says, look, uh, we're getting along okay, but I don't know what I'm doing in the bedroom. Nobody ever told me, so the sex is not good. And that word just like, <laughs> I said, you, you're having sex with your wife? Disgusting. He says, what? <laughs> you see, the, the assimilation of ideas is so... I said, with your wife, you have intimacy. What do you, what, where'd you pick up this language? It's, just a, it's a foreign concept that's, yes. that's become standard. Yeah, and, and this is a good, a good guy. I mean, he wants to do everything right, he, but it's, it's, it's in the water, it's in the air, it's everywhere. You can't avoid it. But the reason we're, we're so bothered by it or disturbed by it is because we have nothing to combat it with. When I said to him, no, 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 with your wife you have intimacy. 
has no idea what I'm talking about. So it's, you know, it's the, the, the chure ganve. It's because we don't say anything that should be said that, that everybody becomes vulnerable to the things that they shouldn't be hearing and they shouldn't be... Uh, so the taboo of not talking about the subject has become a chumra that's leading to a kula. And we got to do something about that. So I actually spoke to, in a, in a previous conversation that I recorded, that his episode will likely be recorded, be, be released before yours, um, of someone who teaches uh, chassan classes. And I posed a similar question to him. And he, he agreed that at this point, it's time for some sort of education, at, starting at a young age, to get this, to get the narrative, to get the story, to get the idea, to get the conception of intimacy and marriage, in, 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 to, to give it to young people, young men and women, from a young age before the outside world has a chance to, you know, get there first with their story and their narrative. What, what would that look like? What would, what, what would such a project look like? What would such a curriculum look like in your mind? All right, so in principle, I'm not sure exactly the wording and how to, how to present it to young people, but the principles that we need to convey are these. What is a Yetzirah? A Yetzirah is the instinct or the impulse that makes you want to do holy things inappropriately. Because the Yetzirah wants to destroy holiness. So it wants you to do holy things inappropriately. For example, a non-kosher candy or a non-kosher ice cream tastes better than the kosher ones. So they say. I hope, hope Klein ice cream doesn't take this personally. But <clears throat> there is something about non-kosher, right? When we tell children you can't eat a non-kosher candy, you've got to add a little detail, which is crucial. Because let's say you, you, you teach your children non-kosher candy, out of the question. Absolutely. Re- because, because... Hashem said so. Yeah. By accident, unintentionally, he eats a non-kosher candy. And it tastes really good. Now he's confused. Because he was under the impression that non-kosher is disgusting, it's terrible, it's bad, you choke on it, you die from it. <laughs> and it turns out, none of that is true. It's really delicious. See, we didn't, we didn't give him all the information. When you say you're not allowed to eat a non-kosher candy, what you're saying is the pleasure you get from a non-kosher candy is wrong. The pleasure is wrong. Not there's no pleasure. That, that trips up a lot of people. And of course, I'm using candy as a euphemism right. for other temptations. <laughs> <laughs> so what's wrong? What's wrong is you're getting tainug, which is a holy thing, incorrectly. That's not where you find your tainug. When it comes to intimacy... The famous story that Alter Rebbe said, I don't want your Gan Eden, I don't want your heaven, I want... Nardir Alein. Nardir Alein. What does that mean? It's like, so what do you want? <laughs> you should have said, I want nothing. <laughs> so what do you want? So this is a conversation that happens between husbands and wives all the time. The wife says, are you, are you, really, are you really there for me? I don't know. I don't know if you're really there for me. And the husband says, why, what do you want? And the wife says, nothing. He says, so what are you crouching about? Never mind. Now the husband thinks, boy, she's a little weird. 
<laughs> she starts complaining. I, I'm willing to do anything she wants. I give her everything. She's just making me crazy. <laughs> what is she actually saying? She's saying, do you want my Gan Eden or do you want me? So explain. What did, what did the Alter Rebbe say? Ich will nur dir allein. Was willst du? The connection to Hashem. So what does that mean? It's, it's every neshama's deepest, uh, deepest impulse is to be connected to Hashem. What does connected mean? I'm here, you're there. What, 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 what do you want? What do you want? And that's where we get confused. What? I don't want what. I want who? Namely you. So what the Alter Rebbe was saying, there's a connection between one neshama and another, between a neshama and the Ebrishter, where all I want is for you to be in my life. You should be in my life. What do I want from you? Nothing. What do I want out of the relationship? Nothing. I just want you to be. When the Ebrishter said, Adam he was talking about himself. He was explaining why he created us. And he was saying, I don't want your Gan Eden, and I don't want your heaven, I just want you. Because, So how do you solve being Levade? Introduce someone other than you into your life. That's why he gave us Bechida. So we don't have Bechida. We're not other than him. Right. And he's still alone with his own clone. <laughs> so what does it mean to be married? It means I need you in my life. What am I getting from you? That's beside the point. It's just you. Just you. And you means not me. Don't be me. Be you in my life. So in this understanding, the conception of marriage in which you get something other than the relationship itself is, is, is the mistake. And therefore, teaching kids that all the other things that come with marriage are not the point is, is how we start you know, putting, putting, that, putting the correct narrative there to start. And you can start with Debrishna. Why are you doing a mitzvah? Why do you make a bracha? Why do you wear tzitzis? And then the Rebbe. Well, the Rebbe is an ATM. <laughs> you give a pan, you get a bracha. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we have, to, we have to get past things. Even when you say to a child, uh, put, put, the, put the, the books back on the shelf. What are you saying? Kid, the kid says, why do I have to? Hmm? It's a good opportunity. But I didn't give birth to you so that somebody will put books back on the shelf. But if you don't listen to me, where's, where's our relationship? So I don't really need you to put the books on the shelf. I need you to be my child. Be mine. If you never do anything I ask, so the Ebishter doesn't need us to do anything for him other than be his. And that's why Afal Pishachata Yisrael. So here's the beauty of it. If I don't need anything from you, like in a marriage, nothing you get from your wife 
can be more important than your wife. That, that, that's like so simple, and yet nobody thinks about it. So I don't need anything from you. I don't. I don't need anything because I'm all grown up and I can handle life myself. I don't need anything from you. But it's not good to be alone. So I need you in my life. So I need only you. And then for whatever reason, you're not available. What am I missing? It's a trick question. What am I missing? I'm glad to try answering. <laughs> <laughs> what am I missing if you're not in my life? See, that, that, that. What did God create the world for? That's it. You messed up. You'll never get a good answer because it's the wrong question. Who? Exactly. God didn't create the world for what? Because he doesn't need a what. He's perfect. He created the world to have a who. So when you need only a who, and the person you need is not available, what are you missing? You're not missing anything. You're missing him. If I need you and you're not in my life, then you're missing in my life. That's a relationship. If I'm missing something, then like we started off, if I could have that thing without you, would be even better. So who needs you? Now this is, you know, like, this is like the essence of Yiddishkeit. It's the essence of chassidus. It's the essence of marriage. It's the essence of creation. So the fact that a human being needs another human being this is because we were created there's no explanation for this I don't need anything why do I need you for nothing that is purely divine so it's, 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 it's a taiva <laughs> I think that's a good way to, uh, to end that thank you Rabbi that was uh... thank you again Rabbi Friedman for coming on I hope you all enjoyed that conversation uh, like I did if you did it if you have something to share if you have comments if you have questions please reach out please get in touch with us at ChabadPulse at gmail.com we're excited to hear from you we would like to have a conversation um, we're very glad to announce that finally we have reached stability uh, we have a month of podcasts plotted out in the can ready to go um, obviously more is coming, but we have a month settled. So for the next month, there will be a Chabad Pulse episode every Sunday. Next week, we have Aladdin Arai. He's the founder of Avriyad.com. He's a community activist. We had an interesting, contentious, but I hope productive conversation about racism in the firm community, uh, whether, you know, what we, what, we, what we can and should be doing about it. The week after that features Rabbi Dov Yonakorn. He's the co-director of Chabad House Bowery, NYU. He's, we spoke about the future of Shluchas. We spoke about uh, responsibility that our community has to Bali Tshuva. The week after that, we have Rabbi Levi Gorelick. He's a community rabbi, Amari Tzedek at Beis Shmuel in Crown Heights. And we spoke about Rabbanus and what people can do to find a rabbi, to find a Rav um, they can trust, they can build a connection with. We have so much more coming up. And we look forward to having you along for the ride as this thing takes off. And please remember to share the podcast with friends, neighbors, uh, your family, anyone who might be interested. Um, and if you use iTunes, please be sure to rate us. That helps us grow. It helps us find an audience. Um, we'd like to thank uh, Jamie and you again for coming on board as our first sponsor. Um, 
And once again, that offer code is Chabad Pulse, no spaces. And that offer code is only good for one week. So I hope you're hungry. If you'd like to advertise in this space, please reach out to us again at ChabadPulse at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. And let's keep this conversation going. Mm-hmm.